Welcome to Crunching Tackles, where every week we break down the hardest hitting social issues in sports. Today, we are talking about the death and legacy of Kobe Bryant and how to deal with the passing of a complicated character that millions across the world look up to. My name is Chad Wiley, and alongside John Nekrasov, we're dealing with a tough subject this week, but first off, John, how are you doing today? You know, Chad, I'm doing pretty good overall. Um, Arsenal beat Bournemouth in the FA Cup this week, and an Arsenal win has become something that's so rare at this point that, um, you know, I'm moderately happy. How about you? I'm doing well, and I'm excited for this conversation as much as I'm dreading the topic that we have to talk about. But before we do that first, I just want to thank everyone for just the support we've gotten in our first podcast. It did really, really well. Um, We've been able to expand to a few different platforms. So, John, go ahead and tell everyone where they can find us now. Yeah, so we are now broadcasting as a multimedia conglomerate to rival ESPN and NPR on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Pocket Cast. So if you use any of those podcast apps, you can find us, you can listen to us, give us a like, share it, give us a review. We'd love to have your friends listen to it too and continue to grow our awareness for this podcast as we kind of you know, just talk about things that are important to us and we hope things that are important to you. And also, if there are topics that you guys want us to talk about, um, definitely feel free to send them our way and we'd love to break them down if you have questions. Um, send them our way as well. Yeah, you're welcome to just leave a review um, with any comments you have for us, any topics you would like to hear us discussed. And you heard it here first from John Nekrasov. Crunching Tackles is on par with NPR, and I happen to quite agree. So as we get into today's conversation, John, I've been looking forward to this conversation, but I've been dreading it as well because we're dealing with the sudden passing of NBA legend and superstar Kobe Bryant on Sunday. If you've been living under a rock and haven't seen the news, the the news story of the week this week, Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna and seven others passed away in a helicopter crash near Los Angeles on Sunday afternoon. The event rocked the world, not only the sports world, but the entire news cycle for the week. Um, The reaction was on Twitter, it was all over ESPN with former teammates, uh, people who look up to him, people who have covered him reacting to the news and John I know you had a particular reaction to the coverage of specifically with the way the story was broken Um, what did you think about that yeah so in the immediate aftermath obviously you know the whole world began seeing these tweets saying Kobe's dead Um, and TMZ was the first outlet to kind of start breaking that news but the real kicker is that they started breaking that news before the authorities, according to the New York Times, were able to even contact Kobe's family or contact the rest of the families of the people on board that helicopter. And really, it's incredibly frustrating as people who are getting ready to go into the media to see you know, these organizations that have so little respect for the news they're breaking. The, the news was unconfirmed. Different news outlets constantly began tweeting different information on who was in the helicopter. Everything was just up in the air and people were tweeting things without any idea of what was actually going on. And I think that does a tremendous disservice to both Kobe's family and the rest of the families and affected. And it does a terrible disservice to us as sports fans as well. And I think media needs to be held to a higher standard. And I think we, we have to do better. It definitely was a weird way for me to find out. I had a friend text me and I started looking on Twitter and everything I found was fairly unconfirmed 
for about 45 minutes. The TMZ site actually shut down. It was overloaded with traffic. And then eventually Sports Illustrated confirmed the story. But it definitely was a sudden and shocking way for just a casual fan to find out. So I can't even imagine the way that Vanessa Bryant and the other three children would have found out about it. Like you said, the media does need to do better. While also, you know, reporting the news in a timely fashion, having some courtesy and some respect for the people who are really grieving as a part of these stories. As much as the family has every right to grieve, Kobe also belonged not only to them, but in a real sense to all of us. I wrote for the Liberty Champion a tribute of Kobe and his life, and what really struck me was the overwhelmingly positive reaction that Kobe was getting for his life and his legacy and his career. It was truly fascinating to see how many people from every sport and walk of life appreciated and resonated with who Kobe was and what he was about. But one thing that I got a lot of texts about and emails after my article came out was the fact that I had ignored the more complicated part of Kobe's life. And that complicated part stems from the rape accusation that he had in 2003 in Colorado court that he ended up settling out of court. Um, He was never formally tried and convicted, but that has been a stain that in this week's news cycle was largely ignored, even though at the time that was the preeminent story about Kobe. So John, how do you kind of justify someone who is revered and looked up to, but who has this kind of complicated past? Yeah, I mean, I think part of the reality is that we can't justify it. Um, it was really, it was remarkable to me to see how when people, when a few people, reporters and others began bringing up those rape allegations right after he died, how quickly they were essentially crucified on social media. Um, people were saying, you know, he, the man's just died. He was a great man, he changed after that incident, and he turned his life around, and you need to, you do him a disservice by bringing this up at this point. But I think it's incredibly disingenuous for us as sports fans to look at the legacy of a man who is not by any means a perfect person, who wasn't, you know, some kind of moral leader, he was just a basketball player, and the world loved him for it. But when you look at a situation like this, you know, you can't just shove it under the rug and say, you know, he was a basketball player, we loved him, and therefore this circumstance was okay. I don't know, I look at that and I wonder how you, as a basketball fan who grew up watching basketball, how do you feel kind of taking those, your love for him, but also like that understanding and put them together when he dies? I've always been a really emotional sports fan, more than just loving the games and the the things that happen on the court, I love the people that I look up to. And a lot of my heroes are athletes because they've the ones that I've grown up watching. And when you think about role models in sports, understanding that they really are just people no different than you and I creates a really tough perspective when you are dealing with these kind of things. But the the encouragement I have is that You can be a role model without being perfect because people can look up to the journey. You know, you have to be sensitive to this woman who accused him of rape, 
Um, it probably did happen according to what Kobe said afterward, and you have to be sensitive to her, but she's never going to be the type of public figure that he is, and she's never going to resonate with the type of people that he is. And so when you're looking at him specifically, you have to look at the maturing process, and that was something that people who were covering him in while he was at the Lakers talked about, how he changed, how he grew, how he matured, and how he became a loving family man. His wife and his three more daughters who came after that allegation are all a testament to the way that he changed. And when I think about it, I compare it to people like Michael Vick or Ray Rice, who in Michael Vick's case went to prison for committing a crime. In Ray Rice's case, he abused a woman who later became his wife on video camera. And while that is always going to be part of their story, that never has to be the way the story ends. They can change, they can heal, they can mature, and they can end up doing a lot of good for the world. And so while being sensitive to what's going on, it's encouraging to see that your role models aren't your role models because they're perfect. They are role models because they're always striving to be better. And I think that's the ultimate encouragement I can have looking at Kobe's story. Yeah, I think I definitely agree with you there. Looking at his career, right? Like like you said, he did he matured. He grew. You know, he gave his life to you know serve the game of basketball after he retired to serve his daughters to serve the sport of women's basketball it's remarkable to see that but at the same time i think we have to take a serious look and not just say you know it's part of his journey you know we're all flawed people because people are flawed because we you know we make mistakes but rape is a very serious Mistake that I almost I hesitate to even use the word mistake for because of the seriousness and the intent that's involved, um, the effect it has on a woman or a man, right, who is raped. Um, is is a very serious topic, and we'll always have to look at Kobe's legacy in that light, right? It's not a matter of you know he made this mistake and then he learned from it and he grew. You know that's true. He became a great family man. But he left that that scar on that woman's life for the rest of her life, right? And, you know, as much as we want to look up to athletes, as much as I look up to athletes, you know, like Steven Gerrard or Andres Iniesta for me, that, like, I grew up watching that, you know, exemplified a love and an intelligence for the game of soccer. You know, at the same time, when there's such a serious blight on someone's record, I think it's incredibly disingenuous, like I said, to just try to pretend it didn't happen um so that being said you know it's it's still been incredible to see the outpouring of love from so many people like from like a bellhop i saw on twitter you know talking about kobe's interactions with him throughout his career to people like doc rivers at the clippers to lebron james you know this man did leave a positive impact on people just as much as he did leave that one negative impact and I think that's something that you know in talking about his life and his death um, that's really important to talk about so could you Chad you know kind of just talk to us a little bit about the positive legacy the way that he changed not just basketball but the world yeah I wrote down a list of all the really interesting athletes and people who were paying tribute to Kobe and it's people like Giannis Antetokounmpo Kyrie Irving James Harden all in basketball who were people that he directly influenced. 
in Giannis's case, he was a mental mentor, you know, always encouraging Giannis while they played different positions and had different skill set. He was challenging him. I remember Giannis said that Kobe told him, I want you to win the MVP this year. And then Giannis went out and did it. For someone like Kyrie or James Harden, he was an actual physical coach. He taught those two players a lot of the tools of his game that helped them become all-stars and high-caliber players in his following. And with LeBron, what really stood out to me with LeBron was the just the legacy that Kobe challenged LeBron to carry on. His last tweet um, that Kobe ever sent was after LeBron passed him in scoring the night before he died. And he said something along the lines of, never stop inspiring the next players and moving on for the next generation. And that's something that LeBron has embraced, but that's something that Kobe passed on to him and then challenged him to pass on to others. When you look outside of basketball, you see the same type of reaction. Alex Ovechkin, who wears number eight, one of Kobe's first number, went out to warm ups for the Washington Capitals in the NHL wearing number 24 instead to honor Kobe. You see people from baseball and football like Mike Trout or Tom Brady tweeting their support. Um, one that personally resonated with me was uh, watching golf on Thursday and seeing Justin Thomas wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey on the course while playing, wearing it right over his polo. And then when you look internationally, I know we're both big soccer fans. You saw Neymar's celebration with the 2-4 after he scored a goal. People like Sergio Ramos and Antoine Griezmann wearing jerseys. Um, guys in the Australian Open like Nick Kyrgios for tennis warming up in Kobe jerseys. But the one that really, of all of them, stood out to me was Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid grew up as a kid in Cameroon, Africa, and he never really played it's well documented that he didn't play basketball at a young age and he took to twitter to kind of explain after kobe died what changed that and he said i started playing ball because of kobe after watching the 2010 finals i had never watched ball before that and that finals was the turning point of my life i wanted to be like kobe and so the next game after kobe died that Joel Embiid played in he actually got special permission from the Philadelphia 76ers to wear number 24 because that number had actually already been retired by the franchise. And he went out, he played, he scored exactly 24 points, and he scored a Kobe-esque baseline jumper fadeaway that was Kobe's trademark move that you could tell Joel Embiid had been watching and trying to copy and imitate. And it's amazing to see that a guy playing basketball a decade ago, uh, winning a championship against the Boston Celtics inspired one of this generation's greatest basketball players who picked up a ball because he saw what Kobe did. Yeah, and I think I think that inspiration really points to what sports is all about. Ultimately, the sports games we watch aren't just games. Basketball isn't just people throwing a ball at a hoop. Soccer isn't just people kicking a circle around a field you know it's they show human emotion in a way that so few things do in life you know they demonstrate grit and determination and energy and passion and joy and they bring communities together they bring the world together you know when you look at Kobe's legacy and you see these people all over the world political leaders news organizations other athletes average people 
you know, just devastated by the loss of this person. Um, you know, you see how much sports means to these people, and it's something that transcends the sports we play. You know, it reminds me of what a gift sports are. You know, sports culture is something that, like, in its modern sense is relatively new, and yet we get to appreciate it and to come together as people and for, you know, for a brief moment leave behind, you know, the political divisions and the racial divisions and all these other things that divide the world so often and just look at this legacy and just reflect on the difference that one person can make. Yeah, everyone who talked about Kobe, you know, references that Mamba mentality that Kobe always amplified and trademarked and talked about and Kobe said that it was constantly trying to be the best version of yourself and he said Mamba mentality is a constant quest to find answers. It's that infinite curiosity to want to be better to figure things out. Mamba mentality is you're going, you're competing, you're not worried about the end result. And I was too young to remember Kobe's three-peat with the Lakers with Shaq but I do remember some of the later points of his career. I remember him in 2013 hitting two free throws with a torn Achilles because his team needed three wins to make the playoffs and he refused to be subbed out until he did his job. Um, i never forget that image of him hobbling across the court with literally no Achilles in his leg to take those shots. I remember his final game in 2016 scoring 60 points refusing to go out with anything less than his best, even when his body had all but given up on him and he had nothing left to prove. But those people had come to see him say goodbye and he wasn't gonna give them anything less than everything he had to give. And if Kobe means anything to me, it's just that kind of reminder that tomorrow can be better than today if you work. And if you grind, every day can be an improvement. And you're never gonna get to perfect but if you keep striving for it every day, you're always gonna get closer. And that reminder is true in sports if you're playing, it's true as a journalist and what I'm doing, it's true in any walk of life. And it's the part of Kobe that is always gonna stay with me in my heart and in my mind, remembering the example he set and really the expectation he set for someone who wants to be great. And he showed what it takes. And anyone who wants to be great has a perfect example of what they need to be like. And so I'll never forget that part of Kobe Bryant. Absolutely. It's, um, it's remarkable to look on the legacy of someone like that. Like we said, someone that's complicated. Someone that hurt other people. Someone that was frustrating at times to people both in the basketball world and outside the basketball world. And yet... He was a man who left a legacy bigger than himself because he so often lived to serve other people. He lived so often to make a difference in other people's lives and challenge them to be better than they were before. And like you said, you know, in my life, you know, physically and mentally and spiritually, you know, that's that's an example that we can all look up to. Yeah, there's there's no easy way to even think about a world without Kobe Bryant and it's weird to talk about him in the past tense but um, we'll always remember his legacy Mm -hmm. and it's hard to transition away from this conversation but 
I do appreciate just being able to talk through this to just remember him. Um, I know for a lot of listeners who follow basketball, he is the player of a generation and he's one that will never be forgotten. But um, we're going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we'll be back with VAR Corner, our favorite segment of the week where we break down some controversial decisions of the week. So stay tuned and we'll be right back with that. And we are back with John and my favorite segment of the week, VAR Corner. And John, I was talking to my dad a little bit after our first episode. Shout out to you, dad. I love you. And I was realizing that for an American audience and a primarily American audience, they might not realize what VAR is. And so before we get into uh, what our VAR Corner is for this week, do you want to just briefly educate the people on what VAR is and why it's relevant to this segment? Sure. So VAR stands for Video Assistant Referee. And in the soccer world, that is the term for essentially instant replay. Um, so the soccer center referee will have a headset on and he'll be calling the game like he always does. And if the people in the replay room see what they believe in the rules to be a clear and obvious error on the referee's part, they'll start chatting in his earpiece and then he will call it back and give the decision. So essentially what this segment is, is us kind of just replaying the week and then saying that is a clear and obvious error in my book. I love that terminology, clear and obvious error, because that is exactly what we're going to be pointing out this week. And John, you have one that I both like and dislike because I agree with your topic, but I dislike that this man is still getting mentions on a week when really he has no other reason to be relevant. So you go right ahead. Well, Bill Belichick is always relevant simply by virtue of his Emperor Palpatine-ness. As we know from episode nine, he can always come back. And in this segment, he has. So... My clear and obvious error goes to Bill Belichick this week because of the presence of Jimmy Garoppolo in the Super Bowl. And, you know, Tom Brady is about to leave the Patriots most likely uh, at the end of this season. And Belichick let Garoppolo go a few years ago. And reflecting on the absolute disaster that the Patriots playoff performance was this year, I can't help but think that with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm, the Patriots may have made it much further this year, but Belichick chose to stick with Tom Brady way past his prime, and I think it was a clear and obvious error. I think it is as well. My only frustration is that I'm only imagining that Bill Belichick is thinking, you know, whether you hate me or you love me, all I care about is that you're talking about me. And I guess we still are on a week when his team isn't even in the Super Bowl. But I do agree with everything you said, and I think that they will deeply regret that decision. Before I go into my VAR review, I want to do a brief update on last week's when I criticized a fan who threw something at LeBron James Jr. at one of his high school basketball games. And um, it's been brought to my attention this week that that was a kid who released a video without his name apologizing for what he did. He said that he was a Lakers fan, he has a LeBron James jersey, and he just wanted to um, get the attention of the James family. And if you want to find the video, it's called To the James Family, I'm Sorry. It's available on YouTube, and the kid looks like he's no older than 10. And so I would just like to commend that child and his parents 
for just doing a mature thing and owning up to it. And hopefully that's something that we can just learn from to not, you know, let the players be the players. But um, my VAR corner for this week is going to none other than Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp. Unacceptable. John, I see the look on your face, and I hope you agree with me by the end of it, although I'm not expecting You it. know I won't. I know. I want to preface this by saying Jurgen Klopp is a tremendous soccer manager, and I wish he was managing my favorite team. But with that said, he has made a clear and obvious error in judgment this week. Um, in the soccer world, Jurgen Klopp, the manager for Liverpool, was playing Shrewsbury Town in the FA Cup. Now, for us American fans, the FA Cup is basically a tournament where the lower league teams get to play the Premier League teams. And Jurgen Klopp has uh, consistently not taken this tournament very seriously. He fielded what was essentially a group of teenagers against Everton and somehow still managed to win because Everton is just that bad. And he did the same thing for his third-tier Shrewsbury Town matchup, but then something unfortunate happened, which was that he was no longer winning. And so when it was tied 2-2, he brought on two of the best players in the world, Mohamed Salah and Roberto Firmino, to try to salvage the game, but ended up tying in a game that Shrewsbury Town probably could have won, and so now they have to replay the game. Unfortunately, the replay is taking place in the same time as the Premier League was scheduled to have a break so that players can get better. And Jurgen Klopp told reporters, I have said to the boys already, we will have a winter break, so it means we will not be there. It will be the kids who play that game. And he later clarified that he himself will also not be there. And I understand that the FA Cup is not Jurgen Klopp's primary um, focus right now. He has the Premier League to win. He has a Champions League to fight for. He is otherwise preoccupied with more important things. However, it is blatantly disrespectful to Shrewsbury Town, who fought their way to a draw with Liverpool, that he is A, going to field a youth team, and B, not going to be there to own up to it. I, I think Jurgen Klopp can put whoever he wants out there. He can hire you and me and our intramural soccer team to go out there and play against Shrewsbury Town. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be mad about it. However, if you're going to disrespect a team that earned a well-earned draw against you, then you should have the decency to actually be there. And to, you don't even have to be in the touchline or managing, you can be up in a box, you know, with your sunglasses, sipping a latte, whatever you want to do. I, I, why a latte? Whatever, whatever Jurgen drinks. You know Jurgen doesn't drink lattes. He might. Everyone loves a good a good latte every once in a while. Right. I think uh, the bigger issue here is that Jurgen is trying to make a statement with this. This is not about the FA Cup. This is not about Shrewsbury Town. I love the FA Cup. I wish it was a higher profile tournament. But the problem here is that Jurgen is simply saying, you know, Liverpool are playing too many games. The FA and the Premier League are not communicating. They're not setting the schedule correctly. And, you know, they're having to play in three different tournaments throughout the English schedule. You know, the League Cup, the FA Cup, and the Premier League, plus the Champions League, and then the Club World Cup that they just participated in, right? They had to play, at one point, two games on the same day. And so he had to choose where his squad and where he was going to be on that day, right? And it's, it's, I think it's ridiculous. Other leagues in Europe don't do this. They aren't so congested with games. And though I agree that it's 
what we would call a scrub move for him not to go to the game himself. He's making a statement that's totally valid and England will not change their approach unless someone takes drastic action. The purpose of this break is to rest the players. And I don't, Jurgen can have none of his primary players play this game, but Jurgen doesn't need any rest. I know he's a particularly animated manager and he sometimes runs onto the field to hug his goalkeeper when they do something great, but he is in no need of physical rest. And he could take the under 18 team and he could go out there and he could manage them and they could lose or, or win maybe. And either way, he's taking responsibility for what he's doing with his team rather than hiding behind an assistant manager while he goes on vacation with the A-team. Again, this is not about the FA Cup. I totally agree with you. But the reality is that nothing is going to change. And though I would be probably equally as annoyed as you if Jose Mourinho was doing this, the point is he would be right. He would be well within his rights to say, you know, I am, I am frustrated by this and you're not changing anything. You know, if a big, if a big team plays a bunch of 18-year-olds at home in this tournament, maybe the FA will start paying attention and say, oh, we should probably change our policy here. Mr. Jurgen Klopp, you have committed a clear and obvious error. Now, please come to Manchester United and manage my team because we desperately need you. Why would he come when you hate him so much? I love you, Jurgen. I really do. I just don't like your decision today. Anyway, um, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. Before we get out of here, like John mentioned at the beginning, we are available on Spotify. We are available on SoundCloud. We are available on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe, tell your friends about us, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And John, if people have any topic ideas, how can they reach out to us? So yeah, you can definitely reach out to us on Twitter uh, at John underscore Nekrasov and at Chad E. Wiley. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. You know, we're, we're thrilled to keep going with this. Um, we've been enjoying it a lot and we hope you all have been too. And again, thank you all so much for listening and for sharing and for liking and commenting. Um, you know, we do it for you guys. These are important conversations that, you know, really make a difference in the world of sports and it's really a privilege to get to talk about them. So I've been accused many times of having an Apple bias and I think I'm going to have it again because if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a review and a rating. Let us know what you like about what we're doing. Let us know what you dislike. Let us know what you want to hear about because we're trying to bring, like John said, important and relevant conversations and uh, give our takes. We're trying to further that conversation, get some good dialogue going, and hopefully um, just talk about some things that have real-world impact. And we're excited to bring this podcast to you this week and every week. And so until next week, we'll see you guys later. All right. Cheers, guys.